We will be reading Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no lo- there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. So I'd like for us to get real as we begin this morning. These verses that we just read are terrifying. They are terrifying because they speak of the judgment of God. And the judgment of God is no gain. It is real. We know this because the Bible, God's word, says it's real. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read about the judgment of God that is coming for apostates. What is an apostate? It's someone who seems to be a Christian, but is not. They go to church, they read the Bible, they act in moral ways. They seem like Christians, but it turns out in the end that they do not really belong to Jesus. To all appearance, right now, it seems like they are believers, but one day an apostate will walk away from faith in Christ, and they will say, I completely reject Jesus and the church. We won't know who an apostate is until that time when they walk out of the church and reject their faith. The author of Hebrews is warning the Hebrew Christians not to become apostates. He is warning them not to turn their backs on Jesus and their faith in order to return to a religion where offering up animal sacrifices would bring them forgiveness. He warns them not to become apostate because God's judgment is terrifying. In order to help you better understand what an apostate is, I'd like to ask you, who is the most famous apostate that you know of? Many Christians would answer, well, that's got to be Judas, and Judas certainly was an apostate. He seemed like he was a true Christian. He was one of the 12 disciples, but at the end of his life, he betrayed Jesus, and he walked away from Christ. But for those who do not read the Bible in our culture, I think that there is an even more famous apostate than Judas Iscariot. Here is a, a picture of that famous apostate. Now, when the first Star Wars movie came out, it seemed like Darth Vader was completely evil, right? But was he always that way? The later movies actually show him as a good guy at the start of his life, or at least he seemed like a good guy. He was a Jedi, but later he turned his back on the Jedi. He was about destroying that which he once embraced. He had become an apostate. Sadly, we also know 
real people, not just movie characters, who have become true apostates. These people once seemed to be Christians, but they have rejected their faith in Christ. Now they are preparing for the terrifying judgment of God. Why is God's judgment so terrifying? I'd like for us to look at a few reasons from Hebrews 10 today, why God's judgment is so terrifying. First of all, God's judgment is more severe for new covenant apostates than for old covenant apostates. We see the description of Hebrew Christians in verse 26, where we read, for if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. These Hebrew Christians had received a knowledge of the truth. They had heard the gospel preached to them, and they had believed it. They now were born again, and they knew God. So what is the difference then between these true Christians and those who would one day become apostates? Apostates also knew certain Christian truths when they attended church. They probably could do very well at a Bible trivia game. And apostates at one point professed with their mouths to be Christians. But apostates who fall away from their supposed faith in Jesus were never truly Christians. And when an apostate falls away from Jesus, what do they receive? They are destined to receive the same judgment as those who were unbelievers their entire lives. We see this in verse 27, where the author warns his readers in verses 26 and 27, that if you deliberately go on sinning after your conversion, you should have a fearful expectation of judgment. Now later in Hebrews chapter 10, we will discover that the author does not expect the Hebrew Christians to become apostate and receive the judgment of God. We will see that next week when we read verse 39. So I'd like for us to get a sneak preview of next week's message by reading from verse 39 at the end of the chapter. There we see that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So we have already covered a lot of ground here in Hebrews 10, and what have we learned so far? The author of Hebrews is warning his Christian readers, do not become an apostate. Do not fall away from Jesus and your faith in him. If you were to become an apostate and you were to reject your faith in Jesus Christ, you should expect the judgment of God just like any other unbeliever. But the good news is that true Christians will not become apostate. True Christians, like the Hebrew Christians, will heed the warnings of the Bible as it is read and as it is preached. They will listen to the warnings, and as true Christians, they will necessarily persevere in their faith. The warnings of the Bible, then, are one of the means that God uses to keep us as his church walking with Christ. So aren't you glad that you came to church today to be warned? You should be. This warning from God's word about the terrifying judgment of God is one of the things that God will use in your life to keep you persevering 
in your Christian faith. One of the things that the Bible and Bible preaching do for you is they examine you. They are a self-examination tool that you can use to answer the most important question you could ask. Am I really a Christian? I would urge you to ask that self-examination question regularly. Less than 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with skin cancer on my ear. And shortly afterward, I had my first skin cancer surgery. Afterward, I had this white gauze wrapped around my head, and the blood from the surgery kept on pouring out onto the gauze. And so as a result, I looked like an extra from a zombie movie. Shortly after that particular surgery, I had a, a second skin cancer surgery that was found on my cheek, and so the surgeon took a chunk out of my cheek at that particular moment. And so right now, I am truly hoping that I will not have skin cancer surgery number three. And so what do I do to protect myself against that? Well, I wear hats when I go outside, I wear long sleeves, and I put on all kinds of sunscreen. My hope is then that I will not have to have another surgery. And there's one other thing that I do regularly with regard to my skin. I examine my skin regularly. I check out the moles that are on my skin to make sure that none of them are changing in shape or in size or in color. By examining myself, I just might save my life. And the same thing is true with regard to your soul. Examine yourself regularly with the question, am I really a Christian? Am I truly following Christ? This passage in Hebrews is telling us that real Christians listen to the warnings about the judgment of God. They don't ignore them. Instead, they heed them and they turn away from sin. Verse 26 also says that real Christians have received the knowledge of the truth about Christ and his sacrifice bringing forgiveness of our sins. Apostates, however, at one point in their life will turn their back on Jesus and what they have learned about him in church and in the Bible. They will reject him. This is incredibly foolish based on what we read in verses 28 and 29. In verse 28, we read about the judgment of apostates under the old covenant. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if you deliberately rebelled against God and his commands in the days of Moses, you would die. You would suffer the death penalty. That was the punishment for deliberate rebellion against God. Physical death. But verse 29 says that falling away from Jesus, being an apostate in the days uh, that we are living in today, would instead lead to an even more severe penalty. Apostate against, apostasy against Jesus will not lead to physical death, Verse 29 says instead, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? 
If you reject Jesus, by whose blood you were made righteous, do you think that the punishment will be less severe or more severe than the punishment given to those under the old covenant? It will be more severe even than death. And you say, well, what possibly could be worse than death? Well, the punishment that God will give to those who reject Jesus is eternal spiritual death. The argument here by the author of Hebrews is from the lesser to the greater. The rejection of a greater revelation and a greater covenant and a greater sacrifice that was given in Jesus Christ will lead necessarily to a much greater punishment. The more severe punishment that will fall on those who fall away from Jesus is hinted at in the word fire in verse 27. We read in that verse about a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Under the old covenant, we read many times about people who had fallen away from God and as a result were judged with fire and died in fire. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, died by a fire of burning sulfur. And when the rebellious king Ahaziah twice sent 50 soldiers out to get prophet Elijah to cause him to come chained to him, what happened both times to those 50 soldiers? They were consumed by fire from heaven and they all died. This was the penalty for apostasy under the old covenant. But what is the penalty for us for falling away from Jesus in the new covenant? I'd like for us to read out loud together from Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10. Let's read together. He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So the punishment for rejecting Jesus is not just physical fire that will lead to physical death. It is instead the eternal fire of hell. This is absolutely terrifying. God's purpose in giving this terrifying warning is to get you to say to yourself, I don't want to be an apostate. I don't want to only seem like a Christian who will one day fall away from Jesus. I want to be a real Christian. We see a few things that apostates do in this passage that will help us to examine ourselves to make sure that we are truly living a Christian life. Verse 26 says that apostates go on sinning deliberately. Now every Christian continues to sin even after they come to faith in Christ. If you don't believe that, then you can ask your family if that's true. No one here is perfect, okay? But what do apostates do? Apostates instead have embraced sin. They love to sin and they continue in a lifestyle of sin. They are deliberate in their choice to sin and sin again. 
On the other hand, when a Christian is convicted by the Holy Spirit of their sin, how does a Christian respond? They confess their sin to God and they repent of that sin. They turn away from that sin and turn back to God. But an apostate is defiant. An apostate continues to sin. Another difference between real Christians and apostates is that real Christians love, worship, and adore Jesus Christ. They praise him. But how does an apostate treat Jesus? Verse 29 says that apostates have trampled underfoot the Son of God. They have raised up their feet and stamped on Jesus over and over again. If you are trampling upon Christ, clearly you have rejected him completely and you are mocking him. You are treating Jesus with contempt if that is what you are doing. Apostates then are mocking and ridiculing Jesus, the Jesus they once claimed to believe in. Now the good news is that I don't see or hear anyone in this church who is mocking Jesus. I don't see such signs of apostasy. But I think it is always a good idea to examine yourself to see if you are still truly in the faith. Am I a real Christian? Do I love and worship Jesus? Do I repent when I sin? And do I believe that Jesus is the one and only sacrifice for my sins to bring me forgiveness from God? If I reject Jesus and his sacrifice, God's judgment will be far more severe than if I merely rejected the old covenant from Moses' day. The second reason why God's judgment is so terrifying is that it means that there is no hope of forgiveness. The greatest problem that we have as human beings is not the coronavirus. The greatest problem that we have as human beings is that we have sinned against a holy God. And we need that holy God's forgiveness. We read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So the author of Hebrews gave a clear message then to these Hebrew Christians who were tempted to fall away from Jesus and go back to a religion of sacrificing animals to find forgiveness from God. He's telling them, look, the old covenant did not work. Animal sacrifices did not bring you final forgiveness from God. Only Jesus' sacrifice on the cross can give you forgiveness. So he warns those who are tempted to go into apostasy in verse 26. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Jesus is the only sacrifice that works. Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the only one who can bring you forgiveness from God. So what will happen then if you turn your back on Jesus? You will not 
be forgiven by God. Instead, you will be judged by God for coming into the presence of God without trusting in the one sacrifice that could bring you forgiveness, the sacrifice of Jesus. Forgiveness only belongs to those who continue to trust in Jesus for that forgiveness. Without Jesus, there is no path to God. As I read this passage in Hebrews, I see two truths in this passage clearly that our culture has forgotten. The first truth is that God is the kind of God who judges sin. Read verse 30, where the author quotes from two verses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So what did the Hebrew Christians know for sure about God? God is our judge. And God is not a judge who merely gives a slap on the wrist. They knew that God would judge severely. How much more severely would God judge those who fell away during the days of the new covenant as compared to the old covenant? We see that in verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. The word fearful means terrifying. If you stand before God on judgment day, Without Jesus, you will be terrified. Jesus is the only one who can save you from a holy God. If you trust that Jesus is the sacrifice who died for your sins, you will be able to fall into God's arms on judgment day. God will be your father at that moment and not your judge. But if you come into the presence of God without Jesus, you are not going to fall into God's arms on judgment day. Instead, verse 31 says, you are going to fall into God's hands. You will fall into the power and control of your holy God. The holy God who hates and punishes sin. There will be no one then to rescue you. There will be no one to forgive you. And there will be only the terrifying expectation of the judgment of God. Now at this point, some of you are thinking that this is the darkest message you have ever heard in your life. And I understand that. This word from God's word is terrifying. It's dark and it's clear teaching that God is judge. So you're asking yourself, is there light at all in this passage? And I have good news for you. Yes, there is light. That light is found in the second truth that our culture has clearly forgotten. And that truth is that the blood of Christ is precious. Jesus is a great Savior. Think about what we read in verses 26 and 27. If we reject Jesus and his sacrifice, what should we expect? Verse 27 says there is only a fearful expectation of judgment. 
But what happens instead if you trust that Jesus died for your sins? Then Jesus has already taken the judgment that you deserve. Because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for you, when you stand before God on judgment day, there will be no more judgment for you. All of God's judgment for your sins will have already been poured out on Christ so that at the end of time, God can end evil without ending you. Isn't that great? Isn't that incredible? That God would pour out his judgment on his son rather than on us. How precious is the blood of Jesus. A man went shopping one day to buy a sweater, and he had the same philosophy when it came to buying clothes at a store that I do. Get in, get out, get on with your day. So he didn't spend a whole lot of time doing it. Instead, he, he went immediately to the clearance rack looking for a sweater because I want something that's inexpensive. So he found something right away. He found a sweater that was the right color and the right size, and best of all, the price for the sweater was eight bucks. Sold. So he grabbed the sweater, paid for it, and went home. When the man got home, he put on that sweater that he had bought. He was surprised to discover that the texture of it was like silk. He had bought the sweater so quickly that he hadn't noticed how smooth and elegant it felt. And then he saw the original price for the sweater. It had been marked down from $124. And so the man was shocked. He had never owned a sweater that expensive in his entire life. He thought that he had gotten a cheap buy. But the original price for the sweater was much, much higher. He had been oblivious to the real value of the sweater. Church at times... I think we have treated the value of Jesus' blood as a cheap buy. But the forgiveness of God for my sin carried the highest price tag of all, the body and the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you to remember how precious is Christ's blood. Don't forget it. Without Christ's blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But with Christ's blood, all of my sins are washed away. Let's remember the teaching of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 19. Let's read those words together out loud. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. <coughs> what precious blood Jesus has shed for me and for you. It is his blood that brings us forgiveness. So church, you have been warned today and you've been warned seriously. 
God's judgment is terrifying. Listen to the warning. God uses warnings in our lives to help us persevere in the faith. Don't fall away from Jesus. There is no other sacrifice that can bring you forgiveness from God. If you turn your back on Jesus after knowing what you know about him, your judgment will be severe. So don't reject Jesus. Instead, rejoice in Christ. He took the judgment you deserved. By his blood, you are forgiven. Let's pray together. (coughs) Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood, which saves us. Thank you that you are a forgiving God. We ask, O Lord, that you would help us to remember that. We ask as well, O Lord, that you would help us to take your warnings seriously. Pray that people would not walk away from this serious warning without giving it thought. And I pray that you would draw all of us near to you and keep us walking in the faith. Amen. Well, would you stand with us one last time? Our God is a holy God. He is worthy of our worship. And so let's sing to him.